fucking pulled my hamstring. I had a cramp in my leg. I was laughing too hard, dude. It's <laughs> too much. All right, I'm good. You good? Oh, my God. This is a workout. <laughs> This is the Epic New Podcast. Two idiots and a list. Where you're going to get two idiots and a list. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios, your hosts, Nick Vasolo and Kirik McMillan. Well, I think it's safe to say I wasn't listening too closely to you in our Metallica episode. <laughs> <laughs> Will you shit all over my uh, number one? <laughs> Without realizing it. <laughs> Fatigue can do strange things. Ah. <laughs> uh, business travel's a bitch. Yeah. We are currently trending in Angola, which is in Southwest Africa. Yeah, trending. Trending. We have four episodes that are peaking over there as we speak. We, we got to send some merch their way. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we got to get some merch. I learned something that the official language in Angola is Portuguese. I didn't know that. That makes sense. A couple of quick shout-outs here to some folks who have reached out to us in the last few weeks. Uh, Donica, M- oh boy, I would slaughter this. M-A-C-G-I-O-L-L-A-D-E. Magaylade? I like that. I think we'll go with that, Donica. Yeah. You are now Donica Magaylade. <laughs> uh, he's in Ireland and listens to us while he's working in the garden. I hope you're using a Bluetooth speaker <laughs> and not earbuds so your neighbors can hear the utter foolishness. What's all this then? <laughs> <laughs> Andreas Lilly is in Newmarket in Suffolk, England, and he listens to us while he's driving to work. Andreas, you are but a stone's throw from my old stomping grounds in Cambridge. Uh, you used to work at the County Arms Pub, which I think is now called The Architect. So head on over for a pint on us. You can put it on my tab. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll remember you. <laughs> and uh, that American bloke. <laughs> I thought we banned him. <laughs> and Blair Gibson is listening to us from Regina, Saskatchewan. Ooh, I believe you <laughs> say good day, mate. Good day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> good day Blair. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, the rest of you listening, uh, please feel free to connect with us on our Facebook page, which, given the likely age range of all of you, seems to be the social media option of choice. Probably why we don't have a TikTok page. Ooh. Maybe we should. Now you're talking. (laughs) I don't hesitate to share ugly photos of us on that Facebook page, so please sign up. Yeah, no one really clears that with me either. Well, that wouldn't be any fun. (laughs) I have a reputation to protect. (laughs) Finally, I had the chance to see some of our very loyal hometown fans here recently in Chicago. A special hello to Sally, Val, Emily, Brian, and Stephanie. Yeah, it sounded like a good time. Yeah, nice little sort of small-scale high school reunion for the band, drama, choir sort of (laughs) connection there. Uh, Great to see all of you. Thank you for being fans of the show and for your very kind feedback. All right, Nick, who are we doing today? 
Well, there's good news and bad news. I guess we'll give you the bad news first. Bad news is that this is such a litigious band. You might not be able to get past the, the intro the, music, the fair usage policies, because <laughs> yes. they will slap a lawsuit on your ass in a second. But the good news is that no matter what song we mention today, all y'all are going to know exactly what it is and exactly how it sounds. Absolutely. We are doing Eagles. The Eagles. Eagles. That was something new to me, too. I've always called them the Eagles. I think everybody called them the Eagles. I didn't realize it was just Eagles. It's more of that Hall and Oates bullshit. <laughs> right? It is. <laughs> Look that. <laughs> A lot of myth around where that name came from. Uh, everything from, like, peyote and tequila-laced outings in the desert, where Glenn Fry looked up in the air and pointed... Eagles. <laughs> you know what? I'll go with that because that sounds about it's about as, as creative as that guy got. I liked it. At some point, apparently, Steve Martin took credit for the name, though it wasn't clear whether he took credit for the name. The comic? Yes. Or saying the Eagles, which they are not. They're just Eagles. So I'm going to go with the Glenn Fry story. All, all right. gazzed out of his mind. Eagles. Eagles, man. <laughs> okay. These guys are about as country as I get, and I'm kind of comfortable calling them country-ish. Oh, fuck yeah. Their first four albums for country, western, just... They filled this void that was left behind when, like, the Stones were, like, on, you know, heroin hiatus, Zeppelin was disintegrating, the Beatles were disintegrating, and then there's this void that was filled by, like, likes of, like, Dan Fogelberg and America and right. Seals and Croft and all the kind of, like, you know, really kind of just the worst type of rock and roll music that you can buy. I like some of those songs. The Eagles filled this void. Yeah. They, they were the toxic boomer masculinity bullshit they brought to their table. Like, all their songs basically blame the women for everything. Well, they meet the requirements of country, right? It's easy to understand. Nothing's overly offensive. It's predictable. It's simple. It's generally feel-good music, except for the ones that are sad because they're supposed to be sad. You know, it kind of fits that country yeah. mold. Some of it's downright honky-tonk, too, which those are a little bit much for me. <laughs> not a honky-tonk guy? No, not necessarily. Yeah. We get into like record sales and the question of record sales again, and, and this idea behind certified sales and sales that are not certified is what always throws off the numbers when I look them up. So this time I'm just going to default to the Recording Industry Association of America. And according to the RIAA, the Eagles' greatest hits is the best-selling album of all, all time, time. Right. at 38 times platinum or 38 million. Right. With Hotel California yeah. coming in at number three, yeah. they put Thriller at number two. Yeah. Now the folks at Guinness world record guys they say that thriller is the highest selling an estimated 67 million copies globally 
However, they also in that same entry say that the figure varies wildly, and then they reference that RIAA certification, which puts The Eagle's Greatest Hits at number one, and Thriller at number two with $34 million. Here's what you need to know. The Greatest Hits album and Hotel California sold over 35 million albums each. They were both released in the same year. It's crazy. Which is, think about that. It's unbelievable that success. fucking crazy. Unbelievable success. Like, Hotel California must have been such a huge album that everybody was like, oh, and shit, look, I'll just take their Greatest Hits album too because I remember a couple of those songs and they just like probably just packaged them together. Right. This falls under the category of internet detritus and it is 100% pure internet detritus. According to a 2012 article from the website Stereogum, mm. and I don't know anything about this, hence it's detritus, Don Henley is the fourth richest drummer in the world. Who is one through three, according to this article? Uh, I mean, got to be Ringo. Number one, right there. Right, and I bet you Phil Collins is in there. Number two, right there. All right, number three? Hmm. Let me think about that. It's got to be Dave Grohl. Holy shit, you nailed them all. Come on the show, Garrett, you know? (laughs) So, (laughs) as I was scrolling through this article, and I don't remember where they ranked him in here, but the article was like the top 50 wealthiest drummers in the world. And apparently... Wow, you have got to be out of things to read. (laughs) (laughs) This is is why research takes a while. You you go down rabbit holes. Rick Allen from... I got a rabbit hole for you. (laughs) I bet. Wait, Rick Allen from Def Leppard was listed as having $50 million. My guy! That's it right. takes him longer to count it. Well, <laughs> the, the best comment on there was, I'd give my left arm for that kind of cash. Bravo. <laughs> that Bravo. is gold. <laughs> that is gold. That's a better joke. <laughs> and speaking of money, and this falls under another <laughs> internet detritus category, Another article I saw said the Eagles were the first band to charge over $100 for an arena concert ticket in their 1994 Hell Freezes Over tour. Yeah. Yeah. Again, both of these articles, while I can't really no, say I, I that read they're that factual, they both they both speak something that sounds like it could be a factual comment. Yeah, I, I read, know. I did read that also about how the Eagles kind of ushered in the tickets um, in astronomical price ranges, and they got away with it because you know, the hell freezes over. It took ten years because they broke up in '82, and they got back together ten years later after their solo careers had done what they did. These guys only had five studio albums. Yeah. That's astonishing. I know. This is an iconic American band. It's an iconic American sound. As I listened to their catalog, I remembered just about all the lyrics from the songs I knew. Sure. And I knew a lot of songs. It's Tom Petty. Yeah. 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 And and a lot of those bands from that same era where you were washed in them. Mm-hmm. And I had the Eagles' greatest hits. I'm sure you did, too. Yeah, listen, I, my father is a huge Eagles fan going way back. So, yes, the, the song that I have heard the most is Hotel California, by far. There is no other comparison. Like and I, I think probably, well, I, I can certainly answer the same for me, and I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of the audience would say the same thing. Right, yeah. But, I mean, it's just like they're... They were kind of like, their attitudes just were off-putting. And when I mean their attitudes, I'm talking about Henley and Glenn Fry. And I don't know where that comes from. I got a feeling, though, because I read a couple of things. And When their first album came out, they're country western. 
Graham Parsons is like kind of like the Jeff Buckley of the era, like really super talented musician, didn't get enough off the ground until he died really early, right? And Graham Parsons was basically a country western guy, and he's like, yeah, you know, I heard the Eagles stuff. It's kind of bubblegum for me. They read that, and they got so pissed off that they (laughs) never let it go. Like never, and they couldn't believe that it got printed. And you know, now they've got grievances with everybody: rock critics, sure. you know, publishers, managers, you know, owners of record companies. They just have grievances with everybody. They're just so pissed off about being like hugely successful. It was a mishmash of characters in this band. Even just looking at it geographically, Fry was from Detroit. Henley was from Texas. Joe Walsh was from Wichita, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Randy Meisner was from Nebraska. The only guy from California was Tim Schmidt. And yet there's this sort of strong California association that you have with this band. Yeah. Well, is that that Laurel Canyon set? Yeah. You know, all of them were sitting down there. Like Jackson Brown. Jackson Brown was down there. And, uh, you know, it's Tom Petty for a little bit. You know, it's all that they they all kind of settled into that valley area of, like, you know, just a bunch of recording artists. Very much like the Sunset Strip in the 80s. Sure. When you got all those monsters of rock roaming the, the, uh, you know, the whiskey. The clubs. Right. It was interesting. You know, you talked about the litigious aspect of these guys and, and how they ended up going after each other. Fry apparently had said of Henley. Uh, He said this to Rolling Stone. He said, without Don, we'd just be love songs and harmonies. We'd be air supply. I thought that was kind of interesting. There's some respect that Fry paid to Henley, which... I didn't necessarily see a whole ton of respect between these guys. Those those two guys were like the inseparable ones. They're the Alex and the Eddie Van Halens of the band. They were the bullies. They were the ones who were like, hey, we, we're the founding members, and you're going to do what I said. Meisner himself, like he, would, he said, it's like the, his one big hit that he wrote for him, he didn't like performing it because it gave him anxiety because yeah. he couldn't hit, the high, couldn't hit the high notes. And Glenn Fry was like, you're fucking doing that song, and he would bully him every single time, every night out. Like, that's just some toxic bullying. Right. So we've talked about Grammy nominations in the past. The Eagles have six wins on 18 nominations. That's shocking. Shockingly (laughs) high. It's it's big. We know that these guys went into their own solo careers at various points, some before the Eagles started, some after. So we'll just look at Henley, Walsh, Fry. Yeah, we'll look at those three. Oh, these solo stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. total total okay. total Grammys. So yeah. Grammys they've won with the Eagles and solo. All right. Who had the most and who had the least? Don Henley has to have the most. That's correct. Who had the least? It's gotta be Fry. That would have been my guess too, given Joe Walsh's catalog. Yeah. But Joe Walsh was never really a, a, a favorite. No. So it was uh Henley at on the top with eight wins on thirty seven nominations. End of the Innocence was huge. 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 37 nominations. Fry has six wins on 21 nominations, and Walsh has five wins on 15 nominations. And so, like, you mentioned their, their, you know, shockingly low album total that they put out, what, six albums. And their first four albums were kind of, you know, they were, again, like he said, Country and Western Air Supply. He's not wrong in that. And then they had Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh was the difference maker. Now, Don Felder ended up writing Hotel California, which is their biggest hit by far. Sure. And Joe Walsh added, uh, he, he just didn't fit into that band, but Joe Walsh is such a good guitar player that he made the difference for all of them. Even Don Henley was like, I don't know about this Joe Walsh guy. Oh, yeah. They thought he was too wild when he came into the band. Yeah. And he probably was. 
was. Yeah, of course he was. He's fucking Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh. He's a fucking all star. <laughs> but he makes the you know he makes the difference. His stage persona. He's such a like he's he's just he's like a puppy dog with a guitar. Yeah. He's just so happy to be out on stage, and he has so much fucking fun with the instrument and just being out there. And he was above it all. Absolutely above all the bullshit. Like he was so fucking pounded out on coke and booze. It didn't. It's like where's my guitars, man? Right. I don't. I hear people arguing. I don't care. I don't care, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I, I'm Joe Walsh is my spirit animal. I love that dude. I do too. And his his solo shit is top notch. It's very good. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Quick note on Fast Times at yes. Ridgemont High. Yes, there are four Eagles on that soundtrack. Can I give the list? Would you the please list? test me? Test Jump me, on in there. I'm not sure I know them all, but I do know. Joe Walsh has that great song where Judge Reinhold is in the car. Waffle Stomp. Waffle Stomp. That's what it's called, right? And then uh, he's with uh, Henley and... Oh, man. Oh, no. So go ahead and make the list. I I know them. Henley did Love Rules. Love Rules. That's right. Walsh did Waffle Stomp. Right. Don Felder did Never Surrender. Ooh. Timothy B. Schmidt did So Much in Love. Okay. And we can't forget. Yeah, so the, much in love. The one right. at the end, the end credits. Yes. Yeah. But we can't forget the cover of Life in the Fast Lane by the band playing on stage yeah, at right. the dance. Yeah. yeah. I know that tune. <laughs> So that that soundtrack might we might go in the pantheon just on as, as a happenstance because also you got Sammy Hagar yep. doing Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You got Billy Squire in there, boss too. Yep. You got Billy Squire. Yeah, uh, best times of our lives, right? <laughs> and then uh, then you have the only fucking song that I will listen to from that Parrothead asshole. Oh, um, uh, yeah, Jimmy Buffett. I'm bl- yeah, Jimmy Buffett. I'm blanking on the song, but I, I I can hear it. I'm blanking on it. Drop it in. It's a great fucking tune. I'll, it'll come to me. It's great. Before we go too far down the fucking road here, the Graham Parsons rabbit hole that I went down. Okay, so I just, Graham Parsons came across the radar and it's like, all right, why did this guy die so early? Because I'm fascinated by early death. He was such a fucking bad drug addict. Great musician, but he was, he played with the birds and the, I mean, Emmy Lou Harris and everything like that. And his favorite place in the world was, was, uh, was Joshua Tree. And he used to go out and trip all the time out there. One night he went out there for uh, after he broke up with uh, with the birds or, or, or he broke up there his relationship with somebody and he was he was going to lick his wounds out in the desert there and he took two two friends and the two friends said oh, now we're not drinking tonight and he's like that's okay I'll drink for us he did six double tequilas then went back to his hotel room or his uh, motel room where his girlfriend gave him a shot of morphine and I believe two of the guys went to L A to get more pot. Right, on a pot re-up. <laughs> We're out of weed. <laughs> he, he get, got, the, get in the car yeah, and get me some more grass. 
So to and and when he died, his body was being shipped from LAX back to New Orleans to settle the fucking <laughs> this, lawsuit. This story is fantastic. The this way story, this story ends is just fucking great. This Go story on. It's a movie. The two friends are like, no, he wanted his ashes. He wanted his ashes spread in Joshua Street. So they roll up in a stolen hertz to LAX, steal his casket, put it in the backseat, drive it, set the fucking thing on fire on the middle of like a like the top of a mesa. They just doused it with gas. <laughs> being pursued and they're like fuck we gotta get this done now like open up the back door slammed on the bricks the casket flies out and like get out there with the gas and there's there's no marker no memorial for it but like god damn that's fucking hilarious i i guess there's like an (laughs) annual gathering of people that come back to this guy's gravesite which isn't really a gravesite it's just a place where they set him on (laughs) fire could that be the emergence of burning man could be (laughs) I thought that was funny shit, man. Well, I think this week starts with me, and we've already kind of mentioned some of this. My honorable mention, I'm going with Don Henley's solo career. The whole career? Yeah. I like Don Henley's solo stuff a lot. His solo stuff was great. That Building the Perfect Beast album was huge. The End of the Innocence album was huge. Uh, Yeah, I like it. Boys of Summer, I think, would be my pick out of all of them. That's a great song. It's a great song. That's a Pantheon song. I'd put that in the Pantheon. Yeah, that's a classic. It's a classic. It has the feel of California. It yeah, has the, definitely. The, the image of it. Uh, the deadhead sticker on the Cadillac. Oh, yeah. Just everything about it. It just had that iconic early 80s pop. Yeah, no, I love it. He mentions Wayfarers and like you can just picture the girl and everything like that. It's really great. I like that song a lot. Yeah. One uh, song that might have slipped your radar in his, his uh, solo stuff is uh, Sunset Grill. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> you know? Yes! Sunset Grill. I, I I don't know what it is. It's got to be this weirdo organ that comes in and just like he just plods this song about you know some dirty greasy spoon diner or something. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, the song means nothing. No, but it's just kind of like it's cool. I it's, like it. You could probably chalk up all these guys' solo careers to the song means nothing. Yeah, right? I mean, There's not a know, whole lot of depth in these. Like New York Minute and the Heart of the Matter. I mean, yeah. I like those songs. It's got way over. Way overplayed, and it gets, you know, New York Minute, Last Worthless Evening. 
they all get a little sappy, yeah, you know. They they're 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 a little soft rockish for me, especially when I was seventeen, which is I think about the age when when that came out. Uh, that was what eighty nine. So yeah, I was sitting yeah. around seventeen. That those songs didn't register with me. I had already moved on to other things. Yeah, we were in like like, hey, uh, give me another Miller Lite and crank up <laughs> yeah. End of the Innocence. Yeah. All right, <laughs> I want to hear Bruce Hornsby playing, uh, you know, End of the Innocence. That's why I like that song. His keys are great. Yeah, he, he gets a sound out of a piano that yeah. nobody else does. He really does. All right, what's your honorable mention? So just Don Henley's career? Just Don Henley's career. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll allow that. The judges will allow that. I've got a, an honorable mention, and I, I have no idea why. It's the long run. Kick bass starts it out, the high whiny guitar. <laughs> it's a dumb song. <laughs> I don't quite know what it means. I like the log run. You can hear a lot of Joe Walsh in the guitar work on I that guess song. That's why. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the eponymous. Yeah. Okay, very good. I got that word right. You did. The eponymous track uh, for their last album. Yeah. You can also hear a lot of Henley's solo work in this song, the way his vocal phrasing kind of works. If you listen to it and then think about what he did in his solo career, I just, when I heard it, I went, eh, there's some similarities here that I'm Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's why I like it. It's just like that that album, that last album of theirs, like, you know, it's, you know, the long run and, and all the other songs that go along with it. I mean, it just got blotted out. Yeah. 1982? Yeah. You know, it was 1979. Like, it was just got blotted out by, like, you know, Back in Black comes in and just, like, <sighs> crushes a lot of bands. Like a forest fire, just lays waste to everything. And really, there's a lot of tinder there. Yeah. James Taylor needed to go. Mm-hmm. America, they all needed to go. And Back in Black just came in and just, <sighs> and then new growth. That's right. You know? That's right. All right, for my number five, I'm going to go with another broad brush. My number five is Joe Walsh's solo work. This is... Okay, all right. I sense a theme coming here. Yeah, maybe. No, I like Joe Walsh. All of his stuff when he was with, um, what's that fucking band he was with? James Gang. The James Gang. When he was at the James Gang, then, then he went on to his own solo stuff. Yeah. Great stuff, man. He had a huge catalog, and I put him a little higher than Henley 
because Walsh had kind of broken out on his own. Yeah. And he came from a small town, right? He came from Wichita. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he grew up there his entire life. I think he was born there. But I think his father was a test pilot for, like, Lockheed Martin or a training pilot for Lockheed Martin. And I think the guy died flying, uh, like, a training mission on this jet that they were going to bring in for World War II combat. Walsh is his stepfather's name. That's right. Yeah, I do remember yeah. reading that. Yeah. A lot of tragedy in his life. His three-year-old daughter yeah. was killed in a car accident yeah, right he, around the time he was in the James Gang. In Boulder, I think. Yeah. And that's where he's got a monument to her in a park. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I loved, he's a sweet soul. I really like him. Yeah. I, I really liked his catalog a lot. Uh, the, there was a lot of songs in there that really harkened back to younger days. Yeah. Life's Been Good is probably my favorite of them. Yeah. Because it's just fucking funny. It's like, great. It's... I party, I'm rich and successful, yeah. and I party. And my Maserati does 185. Yeah, I lost my license. Now I can't drive. It's fucking great. It's great. Like, I remember my father laughing at those lyrics. And my dad, you know my dad, yeah. he was the farthest thing from pop music. But A little if, starched. If that, <laughs> you could say that. If that song was on and he heard the lyrics, he would, like, chuckle. He just kind of liked the idea of this guy singing about his life being what it is. But he also had Rocky Mountain Way. He did uh, A Life of Illusion, uh, which is actually a great tune. Those are great too. It, it it fits the the year that it was made. Right? Yeah, wasn't that a little bit later? And like, I think that was off that '73 album. Oh, okay. I may be wrong on all that. Right. I may be wrong on that. But, but yeah, all right, I got you. And you Funk '49. Yeah, Funk '49 with the James Gang. You can listen to uh, what do we? What did I talk about? Oh, that was from Fleetwood Mac. Listen to Fleetwood Mac if you want to hear Funk '49. So Joe Walsh, his wife, her name is Marjorie Bach, is Barbara Bach's sister. Now, Barbara Bach was the Bond girl in The Spy Who Loved Me. And Barbara Bach is married to Ringo Starr. So Joe Walsh and Ringo Starr are brothers-in-law. Wow. It's <laughs> incestuous. It's Walsh's fifth wife, so we'll see. <laughs> well, listen, you know, he's party guy. That's right. <laughs> These things happen. Hopelessly addicted to booze and cocaine for a long time. And long then... Time. Yeah, from a trip to New Zealand. Went to New Zealand and, you know, lost some time. I think one of the notes I saw said he got on a plane and woke up in Paris after not remembering the last 10 hours or 12 hours or 20 hours or whatever it was. Didn't remember getting on the plane, didn't remember anything. And he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And he he cleaned up. He was done. Yeah. So crazy. Hats off to him. Big fan of Walsh. 
I am too. I've told this story before. Um, my father's uh, best friend growing up uh, happened to live down at U of I. He lived in Joe Walsh's house in Urbana. Now, what he was doing down in Urbana, I couldn't piece together through my research, but there was a time there from 72 to 75 where Joe Walsh was working closely with the guys from REO Speedwagon. I would assume that's around Maybe the Maybe that's that the tie-in that there. we were missing from yeah. the last time we talked about this, yeah. Yeah, and I don't... I, However, they cross paths, and I, but I know for a fact that he lived in Joe Walsh's house in Urbana because he had done a lot of different woodwork for the guy. Anyhow, but I was trying to figure out like where, where, and when, and why, and, and I, the only thing I'd come up with is that he was he was working with REO when REO was just getting off the ground. Right. Yeah. Anyhow, your number five. All right, my number five. Well, we'll just start from the very first needle drop on the very first side of the very first album. Take it easy. This is my number two. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, well, no. yeah, well, we can save it then. All right. Let's save it. We'll get back to it then. All right. I like it. It's good. Good start to a career. All right. So that brings us to my number four. My number four, off of one of these nights in 1975, is Take It to the Limit. That's my number one. <laughs> then we will table that, <laughs> we'll table that until we get to Very good. your number one. All right. All right. We're going to wind this down here. <laughs> All right. So I've got Hotel California as my number four. make your list nope no shit it didn't make the, the bad list it didn't make yeah, the good yeah. list it was just so much like you said yeah. you had heard that far more than you had heard anything else but i can't deny it it's it's like the it's like the journey episode yeah and it's like really is 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 uh that an awful song or really their best song and i i'm like i gotta give hotel california just a, just a listen just to make you know just see if it's not gonna make the list sure it wasn't on the list and as soon as, like, I, I turned it all the way up, and I'm like, holy shit, this fucking song is unreal. It's epic. It's, it's unreal. It's their Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. It's their Master of Puppets. Yeah. That's their song. It is the song that, I, again, like I said, it's the, the song that I probably heard the most growing up. It's a lot of because of my father, but it's just because it was always, it's always around, right? Yeah. And, like, this is a song I love so much because it is, like, every time I hear it, it unfurls so slowly. The lyrics, the way that they're just drawn out by Henley, you know, I created like this little movie reel in my head of what these lyrics would look like, right? Right. And like, I don't even know what the fuck Kalitas is, but I sure as shit know what it <laughs> looks like when a warm spell of it rises up through the air, you know? Right. I just, you just have this thing in your mind and it just kind of rolls along and like, you know, when they're, they're in the master's chambers and, you know, when the, when the headmaster says you can check out anytime you want, but you can't leave and then just tears into that crazy ball solo. The solo's incredible. It's fucking awesome, yeah. man. And even the outro, it's not a, I don't, I'm not for instrumental outros, but that one is like so great with the way there's just different, you know, octaves and different stuff that they play around with. It's, it's, I couldn't deny it. It's not up on the top, but I couldn't deny that it's really a, one of their, their best. I, I think it's an amazing song too. And, and I, I, it's just not on my list due yeah, to overexposure, but 
you know, you talk about those lyrics. There, <laughs> I saw some notes on an interview that um, Henley had done with a music critic, and I want to say that this was a guy from a newspaper in Cleveland, like the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Yeah. Do you regret the fact that you say, I called up the captain, please bring me my wine. We haven't had that spirit here since 1969. Do you regret the fact that wine is fermented and spirits are distilled? Okay. <laughs> and Henley's, Henley's response was, it's a sociopolitical statement. My only regret would be having to explain it in detail to you. <laughs> and out of nowhere, Glenn Fry comes in yeah, and punches the guy in the him. mouth. <laughs> Yeah, that that's uh, you know, music journalism can go fuck itself with that. Yeah, and the the, the reference to Kalitas. <laughs> Felder said these are plants that grow in the desert and bloom at night. I tried my damnedest to scrub the internet for what a Kalitas is. Yeah. Is there any sort of presence of this on any kind of biological specimen? Hey, no, man. nothing, nothing. And there's like gigabytes of chatter yeah. online about how you can't find any evidence of Kalita's. They it's fucking the pot. <laughs> it's yeah. just pot. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, right. shit. It's okay. It's come okay. Come the Hotel California album cover is one of the coolest fucking album covers there is. That, yeah. um, Beverly Hills Hilton um, at Sunset. It's yeah. fucking awesome. With the palm trees, that's California. Man. Absolutely. It's really, really cool stuff. They took that in a cherry picker. Looking down at yeah. it, and I guess it happened because of the time of day to get that sunset. It happened basically at rush hour, and I guess the guys in the cherry picker were getting a little worried because traffic zooming around underneath them, and they're thirty or forty feet in the okay. air on this cherry picker. Oh, that's funny. But it's a it's a cool that's a cool cover. It's a really cool cover. All right, my number three is off of one of these nights again, and it is Lion Eyes. But he knows where she's going and she's leaving. They set the hook in your mouth early with the opening lyrics. City girls just seem to find out early how to open doors with just a smile. The whole story. <laughs> Go. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is on your most hated? Is that what I'm yeah, hearing? For real. Is it really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I fucking love this song. <laughs> the whole storyline of. Wangy, oh. you can't. Get out of here. The whole storyline about the affair is a really well-painted picture. She's leaving to comfort a friend who's feeling down, right? She's feeding the guy a line of shit. The boy is waiting with fiery eyes and dreams no one can steal. It's all very romantic. And then she wonders how, you know, this. she got into this pile of shit and she hearkens back to a, a simpler time in her life as she thinks about a boy she knew in school. I think Fry's voice to this is a perfect fit. I think it's really good. Whether you like it or not. I, hey, man, go for it. It's your thing. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the it's origin, a very country song. Right? It's a very country yeah. song, and I'm okay with that. I, I, the country aspect of this works for me. Yeah, as much as metal and Metallica was for us, this is as country. I think you said at the beginning, this yeah. is as country. It's about as country as I go. Yeah, and and I would say the same. Yeah, and the origin of this song is that they would be drinking at a bar called Dantana's, and these attractive women would come in and party with them, and then they'd leave to go back to the old, fat, rich guys that they, that they were living with, and so they wrote a song about it. Like, they're so much better. Well, yeah, right? I mean, it's... <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> this is one of their Grammy wins. Uh, it also Get out of here. Yeah. It also hit number eight on the country chart, which is their only top ten on that country list. Really? Hmm. And there you have it. All right. All right, what's your number three? My number three is, uh, well, it's off of uh, The Long Run, but it's Joe Walsh's song. It's In the City. Instant nostalgia for this song. Yeah. When he did the right thing, he sold it to... Or he didn't sell it to, he, he allowed the rights to... Or the, the, the musical rights to be used in the, the, the movie The Warriors. The Warriors. And I think that in... with And as I remember, it's been a while since I've seen The Warriors. If I remember correctly, it's over the opening titles. And this is... The Warriors is a time capsule of New York City when it was a shit pile. Yeah, when Times Square was a dangerous place to be. And, oh. Yeah. Like... You wouldn't go... Yeah, right, exactly. And all of New York City is in decay. Right. And The Warriors is one of the great time capsule films to show New York City in that full urban decay. It's at the end stages of decay. Uh, for some reason, I just, you know, his lyrics and with that setting and that scenery kind of just like emblazoned in my brain. I just, I really love this song. I, I love the imagery that goes along with it. You know, somewhere on the horizon, stuff like that. I, I really like this song. It's a classic Joe Walsh sound. Yeah, for sure. Both the guitar and his vocals. Not an Eagles tune. No, it's a classic Joe Walsh sound. And he recorded it for his own album. And then he recorded it with the Eagles. That's right. And I think the Eagles version went to the Warriors. I don't think it was his solo version. I don't know. I'm sure they got their fingers in the pie somehow. Somebody somebody got rich somewhere, right? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's a classic song. It's a very, another throwback song. A lot of these were throwback songs. A lot of these, you're like, oh my God, I haven't heard this in ages. Yeah, for sure. Okay, it's time for the fantasy concert right, lineup. I've got it too, man. I've got it. I've got a couple. I don't care. You go first. This All right, time. let me go first because right. I go. It seems like I, I bet clean up a lot on this one. All right, so we talked a lot about like the nadir of American rock and roll during the mid '70s, where the Eagles kind of fell into this pot of you know they just rose to the top because they were like the, the punk rock, um, you know, country western acts. Uh, they were just the jerk offs. Uh, you know, D- you know Don Fogelberg. Dan Fogelberg was not a jerk off. These guys, you know, who was it? Loggins Messina. Those guys, you know, they just were singing about like the most. 
sugar-coated oh, Pop-Tart yeah. garbage. Was, and the Eagles were no better. They were no better until Walsh and Felder come along and write things like um, the uh, Hotel California, other things. So along with that, like I was thinking to myself, well, who else was in swimming around in that aquarium that could really, really piss Glenn Fry off and Henley? Just, just really piss them off and kind of like suck all their alpha male bullshit out of them. So I'm putting them on stage with the Bee Gees. Bee Gees nice. were a monster fucking act. Yes. Monster act. And they had great fucking tunes. Oh, I agree. One of their best tunes was the opening credits to Grease. Grease is the word. Yeah. Frankie Valli. Uh-huh. That's a great fucking song. Great song. Big horns. That's what I'm starting with. And it's going to piss fucking Glenn Fry off not like to no end because like he, he's going to look at him. Yeah, I just like, got upstage. Yeah, exactly. Upstage. Did you did you see the uh, documentary that just came out I in did. the last year or two? With the brothers. With yeah. the brothers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, it was fascinating. But like, you know, and meteoric rise to, uh, you know, part... Uh, to to popularity they were swimming in the same arenas like when Saturday Night Fever was a huge 25 million albums that sure. sold and then I'm gonna have this act close the show because the Eagles are gonna be wedged in the middle because I want Glenn Fry good and fucking frothy <laughs> when this guy comes on stage I'm gonna bring out Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> in the same time period and he will piss off Fry to no end like that they, they, they do not suffer any type of criticism or any type of like even playing around like Weird Al that's what he did like he parodied people he like this famous like, like Madonna called him up after like like a virgin went up and she's like hey where the fuck is my parody like she had to like bully like Weird Al into like parodies like come on let's go and she's like well, I didn't really want to do it I kind of stayed away from Madonna I did it's kind of intimidate me a little bit. But, like, he never did. He never even came by the Eagles. Never did. Never, ever. And so I want him there to just not only to see his show, because, like, I remember Weird Al when I was growing up in 6th, 7th grade. Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. knew every fucking song. Hell yeah. Dr. Demento used to play him all the yeah. time. Yeah. And then when he packaged all of his other stuff up in that one album that came out in, like, 6th grade, I knew them all. And I want to see it. We got a Weird Al request on our Facebook page. I know. From I the, don't know uh, if I could do a whole our, thing on him. I'm not sure either. I'm a big fan. I think I'm it was our, our bloke in Suffolk yeah. uh, requested that. And there's a movie coming out with uh, the kid who played Harry Potter. I'm not a kid anymore. Daniel, oh, yeah, yeah. Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. He's playing Weird Al on Hulu. Oh, I just saw a commercial for that. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. All right, my fantasy concert lineup. I am going to dip into a little bit of that sap little bit of that sticky stuff that you referred to earlier don't do it (laughs) and you know what's coming (laughs) oh yeah you do we're gonna hear danny's song and yeah that's loggins and messina (laughs) even though we ain't got 
Is that no, what's no, up? You right? gotta do a wall then. We're doing give me the the, the footloose. No, 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 no. That's that's Logan's solo career. This is just Logan's and Messina. Just Logan's and Messina. We can't go into Logan's career on his own. That would be a hell of a good show. Oh hell yeah. Hell yeah. Alright, and I'm free. <laughs> now we're gonna get away from that sap, and we're gonna come to somebody that I have a lot of respect for. And there's a reason I'm going to name her. We're going to hear Linda Ronstadt. Oh, yeah. Linda Ronstadt is essentially the reason the Eagles started. Linda Ronstadt hired Glenn Fry and Don Henley to be in her both studio and road bands in, I think it was 1971. And then in 1972, she brought in Randy Meisner and Bernie Leiden. Leiden? Leiden? L-E-A-D-O-N? Leiden? The, the, the original four. The original four. Yeah. And those four guys who I think Fry and Henley actually had already met, but they didn't really get to know each other until they were in her band. Those four then were acquainted and they they were playing with Linda for some tours and, and some albums. And they said, we want to start a band together. And she said, go for it. Didn't she say, you guys are really too good to be my backup band? I don't know if I saw that that specifically. go with God, right? Yeah, she said, do this. She didn't say, fuck you, you know, then I got to go find four more fucking musicians. She said, do it. And her version of You're No Good is just fucking great. It's great. I love that song. And... Her version of Tumbling Dice's... Tumbling Dice, that cover unreal. is superb. It's unreal. She's so good. Yeah. Her voice is just really awesome. Yeah. She dated George Lucas and Jim Carrey at the same time. No, <laughs> no. But Jim Carrey surprised That'd me. Have been a pull. George Lucas, I thought, okay, he's a little older. That Makes she sense. kind of falls into that. But Jim Carrey is Linda Ronstadt a cougar? I mean, I'm how old is yeah, Jim? Carrey? She's she's foxy. <laughs> she is. She's foxy. I'm sorry to hear that. You know, I think that she's uh, you know ailing these days, so she's not going to be able to perform anymore. But. Yeah. yeah, she's great. 
I love Lyndon Rodstam. There's another one that was, that was just, you know, always around, you know, my dad's turntables. It was, yeah. Yeah. She's great. You know, good. All right. My number two, and you already named it, but I think we, we tabled it, so we'll talk about it now. It is off the debut album, Eagles, in 1972, and it is Take It Easy. It's a girl, my lord, and a flatbed Ford slowing down to take a look at me. America. It's a man. classic line. It is. It's a great American tune. It's a great American tune, and the majority of it was written by Jackson Brown. Jackson Brown wrote the song, and or wrote the music, and then wrote like the first verse and was having a hard time kind of moving the song forward. Glenn Fry lived above him. Jackson Brown said, I got this song, and I'm having a hard time finishing it. Fry came in and he dropped that line. And when you listen to the song, it has a super Jackson Brown feel until you get to that line, right. and you can picture Glenn Fry, you know, yeah. doing, swinging his junk in front of the you know the ladies <laughs> in the front row, <laughs> yeah. oh, right. and, and you know being Glenn Fry. The Eagles shirt is two sizes too small. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great California rock song. Yeah, and that's what I that's what I thought about it too. There's a Southern California sound of this, and I've got no point of reference to say that I've never even been to Southern California. Yeah, I've been to California, right, but right. you know, I grew up in fucking Chicago. Yeah. Like this isn't like I've got. Oh yeah, I harken back to these days of you know, 19, no, 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 the I, late seventies in California. I, I, I never I, fucking been there. I know exactly what you're talking about, but but yet here we are. Yeah, two kids grew up in the suburbs of Chicago that have that same feeling about this. And we've never really talked about this before, but that that that's like a feeling. That's like a genre almost. Yeah. For us. Like, yeah. and it's 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 weird how that comes out, but yep. you know. This is their second most played song on Spotify at four hundred and thirty million. You can guess number one, that's Hotel yeah. California, and I believe that's about one point three billion. I just love the ringing, like how it starts out and those chords just ring, you know, and for a long time and then it gets into the song, but it's like a really cool sound. Yeah. It I just, like it. It's got a great Simple. vibe. The banjo picking in the background adds this that's, good country twang. <laughs> that's like, so when you bring that up, it's like, uh, I forget what song it was, but you were talking about it, and the harmonica in the back ruins it all. It's when the, the, the fucking banjo picking comes in, and it really picks up. Like, it's there. It's in the background. You can hear it the It does night. become more prominent and as the song goes sudden, on. Like, yeah, the, whoever's picking the banjo did a, to use your phrase, a honk full of cocaine and just went off on that fucking gang. And it's really, it's like, yo. It turns into like. It's the banjo, dude. One pickup truck chase, chasing another pickup truck with people in the back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Louder. Um, that, that's when I reach for the button. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is your number two? My number two is coming off of Hotel California, and it is another Joe Walsh riff. It is Life in the Fast Lane. so far. 
warm-up riff for him. Hanley creeped around his, his uh, drum riser one afternoon. And he's like, hey, man, play that again. That's a song. Let's, let's flesh that out. And they did. Thank God they did, because it's a fucking awesome song. It tells such a great story. Having just watched the clip from Fast Times of the band playing it on stage, that's the first thing that my brain goes to. But it is a great, it's a great right. song. The guitar riff is, is really sharp. Awesome. It's yeah. awesome. The, the interlude before the solo is awesome. The sound of the guitar is perfect. The lyrics are great. Oh, they yeah. All the right people. They took all the right pills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Call the doctor. I think I'm going to crash. Doctor says he's coming, but you better pay him cash. Yeah. <laughs> so in all my life, I'm thinking to myself, oh shit, like the paramedics are going to come and they got a problem because they don't have cash. I'm like, yeah. No, I asked all the doctors, the drug dealer. Yeah. And you got to pay in cash. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a perfect drug reference for a song <laughs> called Life in the Fast Life. Yeah, right? right. And so the title came from Glenn Fry's. Glenn Fry was describing a ride that he had uh, with his drug dealer in California who was only known, known as The Count. <laughs> now, ah, ah, ah. Just imagine riding next to a puppet. That is a drug trip. Hey, count, man. man. My drug dealer is the fucking count from the Muppets. I'm getting into every party. That's right. Me, my dealer. Oh, oh. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. So he's like, and and he's like, why are you something like, why are you driving so fast? And he's like, hey man, that's life in the fast lane. And he's like, oh, there you go, life in the fast lane. Yeah. Great song, great lyrics. All the lyrics are just fucking great. Yeah, just great. I love it. I love the song. It's great. You know, hard charging riff. It's it's like you did a couple of toots of cocaine. Hawks, Nick. Hawks. Sorry, they're called the Hawks. I've been out of the game for a while. <laughs> All right, my number one. <laughs> I am going to the 1974 album On the Border, and it is already gone. This is an upbeat, kind of punchy song for the Eagles. I don't know if I'd call it punchy for other bands, but for the Eagles, this is kind of punchy, right? They've they actually switched producers on this album because they wanted to move away to some degree from that country sound, and they did that with this song. But they didn't write it. This song was written by Jack Tempchin and Rob Strandland. Now, Jack Tempchin shows up a lot in the Eagles' sort of career and and walking down the same roads that the Eagles walked down, as did Brown. Brown. They're all these, like, writing partners. Yeah. They all lived in, like, this, I'm telling you, they all lived in Laurel Canyon in the same almost apartment complex. Right, like an enclave of musicians that are... Musicians just like, hey, I've got this. This is a song that I've got here. You add something to them, fuck it, it's yours, you can take it, because we're never, ever going anywhere with this shit. Yeah. Right, you know? Yeah. (laughs) There are some good lines in this, and you hear that a lot in Eagles songs. There's some good lyrics in their songs. Yeah. And you'll have to eat your lunch all by yourself, yeah. you know? <laughs> right. This seems like it'd be a fun song to hear live. I just think that'd be, you know, kind of bring some energy. And 
Temchin, when he wrote the song, he wrote it like, at, I guess they were at a gig, they had played the gig, they were kind of off the stage, in, and it was in like a bar, so they didn't have like a green room, but they were, I guess they were sitting in the kitchen while the other band was playing, and one of them opened a, a cabinet or a fridge or something, found a jug full of booze, and they started drinking it, and it's the first time Jack Temption had ever gotten intoxicated. And he liked it. So the the, <laughs> the woohoo hoos. This, this is going. The woohoo hoos in the chorus are because he felt good. <laughs> well, at least there's at least there's a reason for the most irritating five seconds in a song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we are now on to your number one, which you had named already as "Take It to the Limit." Meisner's first crack at it. The lyrics are, are meant to say, like, listen, this is it. Live it. Live your life more so as you age. Like, you got to take it to the limit. That's kind of what he's saying. It's like, live your life to the fullest. Like, yeah. don't don't sit around and, you know, waste a lot of time with things. And that's kind of like, you know, as you turn 50 and you start to sit, bend the corner of like, what, well, am I on the back nine here? And right. it's like, you know... I get it even more so now than I ever did before and I, I picked this song up when I was in college maybe and it might have even been from your influence because I think that you would listen to this a lot too yeah I always just liked you know kind of the easy groove of it is you know at the end of the day you know it's a long high but I was just really cool kind of groovy song it's a good folksy country I hesitate to say soft rock, but it has some of those aspects to it. Yeah, uh, it does. It is. It has yeah, a you know sure. a mix of all three of those in terms of its overall sound. It's a waltz. It's a yeah. rare, a rare waltz. That's by right. The Eagles and the waltz timing. Yeah, and I like the refrain at the end is real dope. I really like the like the, the call and repeat. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's just a. It's all his composition. This is the one that Glenn Fry kind of bullied him yep. out of the band. He fucking left. He's like, I can't stand this motherfucker in my ear every day. I told him I don't like this because the, 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 he goes way high. Way high. Way high. And and so he's like, I don't like singing it live. And, you know, he finally just said, fuck it. If you're not going to stop, I'm out. Right. I'm out of here. And, and he did. And yeah. He, he split. Did. He split for good. And this and is. sued him, right? And then sued him. <laughs> well, he did come back in the, I think they, he was part of the Hell Freezes Over thing. Yeah. And then I think he split again in like 2020 or 2018 or something like and that. I think Timothy B. Smith takes over for him in this role, in this song. And they, they had to drop it down a key or two. Yeah. Because he couldn't even hit the notes either. And Timothy B. Schmidt took over for him when he left Poco oh, no, to right. come to the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seems like Schmidt is bad in cleanup for Meisner wherever he goes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, could, could you imagine Glenn Fry just like bullying this guy? Like, you ever see um, Randy Meisner? He looks like a bunny rabbit. Like, get all the fairly, yeah, demure. And, and Henley's just sitting there. I can see him like folded his arms yeah. and just like watching it all happen like sternly. Like, yeah, go, go get him. <laughs> like, fuck you guys. You got a whole fucking catalog. You can't pick another one of your shitty songs like Tequila Sunrise right. or Already Gone. <laughs> Sorry, that's on your list. 
That brings us to our most hated. Okay, let's <laughs> let's do it this way. <laughs> How many of mine? No, let's do it this on way. On my list or in your most hated? <laughs> we're going to go most hated. And then we're going to go best of. Well, there's yeah, all right. So I I have a thought on this <laughs> cuz there's we got a lot of there's more to talk about. Yet. We got a lot more to talk about. More to talk about. So I'll give you my best hated. Okay. This one was was definitive and easy. James fucking Dean. Oh yeah, right here. Yes, unfucking. I have right real. Here. James Dean is bullshit. It's bullshit. Great start too. Like it actually starts kind of rocking, <laughs> and then it gets into that goofy James Dean. It's just James oh Dean. man, no sock hop, soda pop, <laughs> basketball, and auto shop. Get the fuck out of here. Get out of the door. <laughs> it's like Billy Joel. Those, wild. Yeah, right. Those irritating long extended bye byes at the oh, end. Yep. Oh my god. Yeah. The twang and lion eyes. No, can't do it. I just can't get over it. Just too too twangy for me. I don't like it. New kid in town. Johnny come lately. The new kid in town. Everybody loves you. So don't let them down. You look in her eyes, the music begins to play. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to hear it. Uh, oh, dude, and that's got it sounds Jackson Brown all over the place. I that right? that one was real like milk toasty to me. I, like I didn't have a lot of love for that. That's on Hotel California, that yeah. album. It's like and it's like the second track. I also had Best of My Love. But here in my heart, I give you the best of my It's a little whiny. <laughs> yeah, it it's a little whiny. Whenever I hear like the opening chords, I'm like, oh, I like this song. And yeah. then, it, then it starts out, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I don't yeah, like this come song. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's again, like, yeah, right. It, it starts out okay, kind of like James Dean. You know, it starts yeah. out like okay, and then you're like, ugh. And then it reminds me of like. Way to like, shit in my pocket. <laughs> it reminds me of the backing track to the Blazing Saddles, uh, More Beans, Mr. Jagger. <laughs> like that song could be playing in the background. <laughs> All right, so we... And, and heartache tonight. Everybody wants to take a little chance. Make it come out right. There's gonna be a heartache tonight. A heartache tonight, I know. There's gonna be a heartache tonight. A heartache tonight, I know. Lord, I know. 
honky tonk bullshit. The hand, the hand clap effect is yeah. so phony. It's so artificial. It they really, I don't know what it was. They were trying to fulfill a contract. They're just trying so hard to fit in. They just, they they knew they were done. Yeah, I when I listened to it, it just I started smiling. I'm like, wow, are they? Do they think it sounds like a hand clap? Because it doesn't. You know who co-wrote that? No, your very favorite, Bob Seger. <laughs> okay, well, well then, we'll, we'll get this. This band played and sang backup vocals vocals on "Short People." Randy, the uh, Randy, yeah, uh, Randy, Newman. Uh, Randy Newman song. Yeah. And you can <laughs> bet your ass they took a piece of it too. That that's was a huge song. That's awesome. All right, since it didn't make either of our lists for what might be just this episode. We're gonna we're gonna create a new category, hokiest fucking solo career, that is somehow oddly awesome all at the same time. It's it's the fucking best ever. <laughs> it's the best. And, and I seriously, if you want to stop now, and we can do another two hours on Glenn Fry's <laughs> fucking solo career, I'm down for it, and I've, I've got the notes to prove it. I have some too. Oh, I am fucking. We can we can cut some of our later categories because this this deserves a little mining. It deserves our brain space. It deserves your attention. <laughs> if you do not know what we're talking about, please do yourself a favor. Stop right now. What you're doing? Go to YouTube and look up these fucking videos on YouTube. <laughs> the videos are watch good. them because they are fucking gold. <laughs> And, and just to be clear, I am not speaking ill of the dead here. No. This guy no. was fucking awesome. None of it made my list, and I really struggled with, <laughs> should I put this on my list? Because it's so bad. Here it comes. And yet, <laughs> so fucking good. I was just tell you one thing. You stay cool for 20 hours. <laughs> I'll pay you 20 grand. I'll give you 20 grand. <laughs> my favorite line out of all of them. You be cool. Especially the way he says it. <laughs> He's so earnest. Oh, man. This is like his videos are like his sizzle reel that, 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 that people put together. Like, no, really, I'm a good actor. I show you my videos. Like, I left the fucking eagles for this. <laughs> the, that song is, I think, the pinnacle of his career. Smuggler's Blues. Oh, it's the... It's the politics of contraband. It's just so, so good. Rugless blues. (laughs) The way he gets gritty on it as it gets longer. This is a smugless blues. (laughs) He wound up on a couple episodes of Miami Vice, for sure. Well, they made it into one of his videos. Uh, That was You Belong to the City, I think. Oh, Yeah, when it the, starts out with the sax, the, the, like, the 
lonely saxophone. There is an obscene <laughs> abundance of saxophone Dude. on that song. Now, the, there's saxophone throughout that catalog. <laughs> But you belong to the city? <laughs> Holy it. shit. This is it. And they even show the dude, like, yeah. you know, on a sidewalk. With the, with the <laughs> yeah, he's in the sex in the canyons of, like, you know, Manhattan. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> and everyone's walking around smoking. And yeah. They got, like, the white yeah. sort of pants that uh, Tubbs and Crockett used to yeah, wear. Yeah, and then on, the shoe-level shot of the woman's <laughs> high heels in time with the, with the bass yes, drum. Yes, walking, boom, walking boom. with it. <laughs> oh, my God. Great, so good. All the neon lights. Like, everything, every lyric demanded its own visual yes. in the video. Yeah. It was fucking great. And when they weren't doing, like, storyline <laughs> shit, if they showed him, he was typically singing along, like, when he's in Smuggler's Blues, he's getting interviewed by the detectives, and he's singing the lyrics to that <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome, man. He's sitting in the, like, like the setup like this, and it's like yeah. me and you are just yeah, talking. Right. It's like, it's the nature of the business. It's the Smuggler's Blues. <laughs> oh, what a, what a fucking treat. What an absolute treat. <laughs> and, and, like, the coup de gras. Like, again, like, he put this shit together for, like, to show producers in Hollywood. Like, oh, I'm, I'm a triple threat. That's here. right. Like, I, I can, put me in anything. Put me in anything. I can sing. I can dance. I can act. I can do all this shit. I'm a leading man. Because somehow somebody convinced him he had leading man looks at the time. Which he really wasn't that good looking. He got all re- Richard geared up with his, you know, <laughs> high crop top haircut yeah. and that shitty five o'clock shadow. Yeah. What a jerk off. <laughs> the Kunik Ron, the end of it, uh, is the heat is on. Yes. <laughs> It's fucking priceless. It's fucking awesome. The heat is on on the street inside your head on every beat. Sixty-five million listens on Spotify. On Spotify, that's a movie that came out in what, nineteen eighty-five? Yeah. So Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. (laughs) (laughs) He bangs on the mic. Oh yeah. Oh man, it's so good. It's so much joy. From watching those videos over the last week, my God, I couldn't stop watching them. I watched them over and over. I loved them. Uh, my wife came upstairs because she was calling my name from the first floor, and, and I wasn't responding because I had my earbuds in. Yeah. And I was fucking crushing Glenn Fry. I was absolutely jamming him. And she's like, well, you look like you're really enjoying the Eagles. I'm like, uh, yeah. She's like, what are you listening to? And I said, I'm listening to the Smuggler's Blues. Her, li- her question was like, you know, who the hell cares whether a smuggler is blue? <laughs> like, uh, I can't answer that. Well, come on, man. It's the nature of the business. <laughs> it's the politics of contraband. <laughs> what does that mean? This fucking guy. He's awesome. Did you happen to hear, this was, I think, off of his first album, his first solo album, No Fun Allowed. Allowed spelled A-L-O-U-D. Awesome. Fry was a quirky motherfucker. Yeah, awesome. he, he was a word. <laughs> word he was a wordsmith. <laughs> no fun allowed. The song was called The One You Love. Yes. 
I was like, oh my god, I, yeah. th- this must have been grade school. It was such an awful song. Oh, super. But it could have come off of like the long run. Yeah, it was super no. saxed up. I mean, this was pure early 80s. Yeah. It was very like. It's super jazzy. It, yeah, it's, it's like jazzy. baby making music. He's, got, he's almost whispering. <laughs> yeah, ways. right? It's like, oh, it's like, it's like he's in bed with you and your lady, and he's just helping yeah. everything. <laughs> he's just helping everything along. <laughs> <laughs> Move your hand here. That's all right. Now put your put your arm around her. Yeah. All right. Now kiss her cheek. There you go. What a jive ass. <laughs> so great. And he wouldn't give up the ghost either. Like no. He stuck with this fucking career and that persona. He stuck with it for years. While he's watching Don Henley, who has the charisma of a donut. <laughs> Just go fucking supersonic with building the perfect beast, dirty laundry. All she wants to do is dance. Right. A great fucking song. Great songs. Those are great songs. Hey Jackson, you got any one of those fucking stupid songs lying around? Like, I need another thing. I need something real. Oh, I got uh, you know the one you love right here. Oh, perfect! I'll take it. I'm in. Go get my camera crew. I'm in. I'm gonna direct this fucking thing. I've gotta stay in Hollywood. That's right. Holy cow! I need coke. <laughs> the stuff. This shit ain't free. Go call up the count. Ah ah ah. Oh, I can't do it. I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right. What is your cool, your coolest four seconds? The, oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll kick it off. <laughs> At the end of Heartache Tonight, Glenn Fry lets out a woohoo that is way up there. Like, it's high and it's really gritty. And he nails it with a perfect pitch. When you hear it, you'll okay. remember it. Right. I'm, I'm not remembering it. I don't really do not listen to the whole of that song. <laughs> um, I like the, the, the guitar sound, the chucka chucka, and the, uh, the coming up into the, in the, in the city. 
on the opening to one of these nights, that song opens with a bass. <laughs> I thought you would have that. <laughs> I, you know, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh, this is curious. This is going on mine. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> you can hear him move over the fret. doing intentionally because if you put enough pressure on it it's smooth so he's let a little pressure off to let that fret noise come through i like that. <laughs> that's, that's a sweet to touch that's a sweet touch put that on the sizzle reel hell yeah <laughs> literally the first three chords of i can't tell you why Soft, um, like, organ. Yeah. Th- that's it. That- that's all I want out of that song. <laughs> then I turn it off. <laughs> I didn't overly love this song, and I-, I remember hearing it a lot, and I don't know, it probably was on the greatest hits. But if you talk about one of the aspects of the Eagles that differentiates them perhaps from some other bands is their, their vocal harmonies. And the introduction to Seven Bridges Road. There are stars in the southern sky. Southward as you go. is a pretty good example of those vocal harmonies paired together. It's nothing but vocals. Don't recognize it. You'll probably recognize when you hear it. There was a time in college where you start moving out of beer and like vodka straight from the bottle. Right, and And Mad Dog. Yeah, and you start looking for like cocktails. Sure. My first cocktail was a tequila sunrise. It's another tequila sunrise Staring slowly across the sky Said goodbye I've never had, what's in it? I've never had one. So it's orange juice, tequila, and grenadine. The grenadine sinks to the bottom, put a cherry in there. And then as you stir it, the grenadine kind of rises from from the bottom and into the red, and it kind of makes this cool effect, effect. and kind of colors the drink a little bit. Gotcha. And the brown of the tequila just gets you fucked up. The Tequila Sunrise was my cocktail for about six months, and it was only because of this song. That sounds sweet as hell. It is. Well, that's why it was only six months. A lot of hangovers. I was going to say, that'd be a power hangover. Yeah, you power through about eight or nine Tequila Sunrise. I bet. And that was only because I liked that. It's like, oh, Tequila Sunrise, I like that song. You're like, fuck it. Bartender, Tequila Sunrise. How do you make that? 
Got a book back there? <laughs> right. Flip, my flip phone doesn't have... Right. My Motorola Razor can't look this up. No, man. It was, yeah, so, yeah, that was uh, that that was a nice memory for me. Like, my first, you know, adult-ass cocktail. The Tequila Sunrise. There you go. What was your first occult cocktail that you went to? I remember drinking vodka cranberries at weddings. And, of course, I'd have I don't enough. know if that counts, though, because everybody did that. Yeah, but I'd have enough of them that I'd end up with that stupid fucking Kool-Aid mustache. At the end of the yeah. Yeah. And everybody was walking around looking like the Joker. Like yeah, right. Yeah. But no no, uh, no kidney infection. I w- That's right. <laughs> I would probably, probably say a gin and tonic if I think about early transitions out of the beer and Boone's Farm phase. Right. It would be like a gin and tonic. Yeah. That didn't last too terribly long. Although they're still great in the summer, like if it's really hot outside. Oh yeah, a good gin and tonic. Uh, your family makes them like perfect. That's too. right. Pictures of gin and tonics. <laughs> All right, sisters of mercy. No, I'm good. <laughs> no, uh, Glenn Fry videos. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> All right, I stand corrected. Give me a shot of those every three months. I could see you and I in some point in the next few months getting a little loopy. Yeah. The first thing that's going on <laughs> is <yeah>. Smuggler's Blues. <laughs> on a loop. Yes. Like, And I'm deep in diving, too. The, hey, the making of, who directed it. <laughs> that's right. if I find out that Michael Mann directed <laughs> Smuggler's Blues, I'm going to fucking lose my mind. Speaking of music from this show, Nick created a playlist on Spotify. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. uh, and this time, don't add the songs before we drop the episode, because you put the Metallica songs on there before this before the episode released. Oh, no So we will, uh, detail. <laughs> we will add the songs after this episode drops. But check out that playlist, because I actually really enjoyed it. I've been listening to it a lot. <laughs> it's 28 hours. It's a lot, yeah. And there's quite a few songs I skip through yeah. the second they start. <laughs> All right. You bastard. <laughs> Who is your MVP here? Cocaine. And okay. if it wasn't the cocaine that Joe Walsh was on, because really to me the Eagles and Joe Walsh just like if we if the Eagles never come across Joe Walsh and put him in the band, I would never listen to them, or I would listen to him as much as I listen to like, you know, Jackson Brown, which is almost never. J- Joe Walsh is the reason why I listen to the band. If you look, like there's not a song on my list that doesn't. The song on my list is like Take It to the Limit, not Henley and Fry, Vice in the Fast Lane, In the City, Hotel California. They're not any of their songs, right? And Joe Walsh was fueled by cocaine. Yeah. As they all were. I think they all were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he was like, there was magic gold dust That's in there. Right. <laughs> I gave the MVP to Linda Ronstead. Okay. None of these guys are together without her. Right. She she coalesced them. She, she fostered the relationship. She probably tightened them up. You yeah. start playing with people in a band like that, backing somebody who's already made it. You are on your best behavior. You're tight. You yeah. start to learn what the other guys are doing. And when you leave, now you're together and you're cohesive. And that wouldn't happen without her. That's a standard of professionalism that she definitely taught them because, yeah, Yeah. you're right. She was an established artist. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. All right, rankings. Skill. Instrumentally, I gave these guys a three. They're like a 275 for me. Yeah. Instrumentally, I gave them a three. Vocally, I gave them a four. Did we break them up like that? No, but I am for this one. <laughs> You're confusing the math. Yes. I just like, you know, they're all together in the package, it's like 275. There wasn't anything, like, stunning. Although I will say this. Like, Don Henley and playing the drums and singing, like Phil Collins, like, really, it just mesmerizes yeah. me. I don't know how the fuck you do it. Yeah. And, and do it so well. You look at you look at what Henley did singing and playing drums, and you look at Joe Walsh's guitar skills yeah. along with his vocals. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, that's why I put him at three instrumentally and... 
vocally, I give them a four. Okay. Catalog, I give them a three. They came, they had five albums. You know, when you listen to that first Cars album, that first Cars album is dynamite. Yeah. And like probably seventy five percent of it is on the Greatest Hits album, which is a great Greatest Hits album. Yeah. The ones that aren't on that Greatest Hits album are really pretty good. Yeah. Like I listened to it and I was like, I I don't mind this. I don't mind what I'm hearing. Right. I listened to that first Eagles album and I the songs I recognized was like, Oh yeah, I know this, I know this. Some I liked, some I didn't. And the stuff that I didn't know, I was like, uh a handful of stuff that you can grab at and that's the reason why they to me they live in the same house as tom petty the average catalog yeah two point i'll give him a 2.6 because hotel california is this one off of like holy shit like tom petty never really gave me that holy no. shit wow this is a fucking crazy song hotel california did so i'll give him like an av- above average two six yeah I, I gave him a three probably more than they deserve their image i gave him a three these guys are a three across the board for me. Yeah, I would say a three is, yeah, they're not cool, but they're, I mean, yeah, I guess they're just good. They have that place in American music is like they are icons. They're, for some, oh, yeah. for whatever reason or another, they, they are American music icons. I saw more than one comment saying that these guys are better than the Beatles. They're better than the Stones. Wow, that's a lot of head injuries. I thought so too. You're, wow. you're really lifting these guys up a hell of a lot higher than I they think they deserve aren't. to be lifted. Yeah, there's no artistry to the music. Not really. You know, it's pretty common music. I don't think they really, you know, are cars, famous cars question, right? Did they move music forward? I don't think so. No. No. I really don't think they did. Where did music go after the Eagles? Somewhere else. No, no, no. I mean, but like, you can't, there's not a band in in the 80s that you can say like, oh, well, there's direct influence from the Eagles. There's not. Well, yeah. And, and, or you could say every band that wasn't unique was influenced by the Eagles, right? Because there really was, I mean, like, there was nothing unique about them apart from the vocals. John Cougar Mellencamp was a derivative of what the Eagles were doing. Sure. I mean, I understand all, all music is derivative, but like the, the question that we ask is what, what Eastman said in the cards. Like, did you move music forward? I really, resoundingly, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. Thank you very much for listening. We really, really appreciate all the comments we've been getting from you. And I got to tell you, that's what drives, keeps this going forward. It, uh, it really does. And just you wait. You should wait. Just you wait until our fucking Christmas gift to you Because <laughs> it's got a fucking banger. We do like to have fun on our Christmas episodes. So stay tuned. Hopefully we kind of keep this in schedule. Looks like things will slow down a little bit for me over the holidays. I can you know, move these out a little bit faster. So thank you all. Hey, join our Facebook page if you're not on there. Come see the goofy shit that we post. And uh, thanks again. We'll talk to you. <laughs>